Welcome to the Smart Weight Loss Coaching Podcast. I'm Dr. Lisa Olson, a board-certified weight loss medicine specialist and certified life coach. In this podcast, I'll share fresh insights and effective techniques for incorporating mindset, habit change, and proven science into your life. Are you ready to achieve sustainable weight loss, wellness, and longevity? Then let's jump in and lose weight the smart way. Welcome back. Chew on this fact. One out of every three adults in the United States has prediabetes, and 80% of those people don't know it. That is terrifying. Some of you listening to this podcast already have prediabetes or some other variant of insulin resistance or glucose intolerance. But listen, I'm never in the business of spreading doom and gloom, so let's talk about five things you can do to stop prediabetes from progressing to full-blown type 2 diabetes. I'm not going to talk about medicine this time beyond saying that a medication called metformin has been well proven to slow and sometimes stop the progression from prediabetes to type 2 diabetes. And I'm sure we'll be reading plenty about Ozempic, Wegovy, Monjaro, and Zepbound doing the same thing, because these newer medications cause such dramatic changes in weight and blood sugar. I know most of you are looking for lifestyle changes you can make to address your risk of prediabetes without a pill. Before we focus on solutions, let's just tackle a little background information, shall we? What is prediabetes? The most obvious way to define it is an elevation in fasting blood sugar. When we check labs, prediabetes is defined as a fasting glucose of 100 to 125. So when you get blood drawn and you haven't eaten for at least eight hours, that's considered a fasting test. If your glucose or blood sugar number is under 100, that's normal. 126 or higher gives you a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, but 100 to 125 is the zone we're talking about today. That's prediabetes. It can also be diagnosed with a test called the hemoglobin A1c or glycohemoglobin. That test reflects your average blood sugar over the past three months. A glycohemoglobin of 5.7 to 6.4 is diagnostic of prediabetes. Basically, prediabetes means that we have too much glucose or sugar in our bodies, but it also means we're developing insulin resistance. Stay with me here. This will only take a moment, and then we'll get out of the science and into our action items for how to treat this. The pancreas is an organ that sits near our stomach, and it releases insulin when we eat. I like to think about the job of insulin as a host of sorts, like a maitre d' at a restaurant who's going to take you to your table and get you settled in. Insulin finds out that its sugar guests have arrived, and it brings the sugar to its destination at the muscle cells, or whichever cells need some fuel. Imagine that insulin knocks at the cell's receptors, kind of like entrance doors to a private dining room. Insulin knocks, then opens the door and shows the glucose the way into the cell. Then that glucose molecule can be used for fuel. 
But here's the problem. When we have too much glucose floating around, the insulin starts really banging on the cell doors to say, hey, come on, let me in because I have a load of sugar for you. But the cells already have plenty of sugar, more than they need, in fact, so they don't open up. Now the pancreas gets the message that there's still a lot of sugar floating around and it sends out more and more insulin. This is a problem for a couple of reasons. One, the cells kind of freak out and seal up the doors so the insulin can't bind to the cells anymore. This is called down-regulating the receptors. This resistance to insulin leads to more and more insulin being pumped into our bodies from the pancreas. And that's a problem because insulin is an obesogenic hormone. It's a weight gain hormone. We all need insulin, but when we have an excess of it, we gain weight. This increases our risk of progressing to diabetes. As our sugar gets higher and higher, our insulin gets higher, and we get into a vicious cycle that includes excess weight and insulin resistance. Now, this is key. We want to catch this as early as possible when it's still reversible. And that's the good news. Early on, especially when you have pre-diabetes, this is reversible. You're in control here, and there's a lot you can do. Knowing that one in three American adults has prediabetes, you might be wondering if you're at risk. Here are some of the risk factors that increase your likelihood of having it. Carrying excess weight, a family history of type 2 diabetes or prediabetes, being sedentary, meaning not getting any exercise or being regularly active, having gestational or pregnancy-induced diabetes, and having polycystic ovarian syndrome. If you have any of these risk factors, it's important that you occasionally have your labs checked. Once you develop prediabetes, you're at higher risk for progressing to diabetes as well as for developing heart disease and stroke. Other complications of diabetes include blindness, kidney disease, sexual dysfunction, and circulation and foot problems. In fact, having type 2 diabetes shortens your lifespan by six years. You can see why I'm so eager to help you catch and reverse prediabetes before it progresses. The sooner you take action, the more likely you are to reverse this disease. So here are your five action items to reverse prediabetes. Number one, exercise. Interestingly, even if you don't lose a single pound, exercise is the most important thing you can do to reduce your insulin resistance. It's a fantastic goal to aim for 30 minutes a day of exercise, at least five days per week, but you certainly don't need to go from zero to 30 minutes overnight. I'm always a fan of starting slow and building up gradually so that you don't get injured or frustrated. There's no value in overdoing it and burning yourself out. This is something you'll need to stick to for the rest of your life. So let's start with something doable. And please choose something that you might actually enjoy. If you love to run, kudos to you. That's not my jam. I much prefer dancing, walking, and resistance training. Maybe you like yoga or tai chi or swimming or the ever popular pickleball. Find something fun or at least somewhat interesting so you'll be more likely to stick with it. 
Actually, on a side note, I was talking with my mom about exercise. She's been going to the same boot camp in the mornings for 23 years. Over these years, she's observed that the new people who are older and perhaps in more shape tend to stick with it more than the younger folks. They come in and pace themselves. They're there to improve their health, and part of that is finding a pace that will keep them coming back day after day. The younger people who join the program often quit. It's hard. There are push-ups. They run. They do four-count burpees. It's a serious workout, and often the younger people don't expect it to be so tough. It probably doesn't help when they see my elderly mom whooping them in push-ups, but seriously, it takes some degree of grit and maybe also a little bit of self-compassion to start wherever you're at. And if it's hard to do one push-up or hard to walk briskly around the block, that doesn't mean anything about your worth or value as a person. It simply means you haven't developed your strength or endurance sufficiently to do these exercises. And that's okay. We all start somewhere. Just dial it back, take it slow, and be patient with yourself. Let it be a little hard. It'll be worth it. I invite you to practice doing something every day. Just something small to start. Track it on your calendar with a smiley face every time you do any deliberate activity. If you're not exercising at all, I'd suggest something as basic as a five-minute walk after dinner. This is where temptation bundling can be helpful. If you don't feel like exercising, but you're trying to create the habit in order to lower your blood sugar and reduce your insulin resistance, try pairing exercise with something you enjoy. A lot of the women in my program bundle their walking with audiobooks, or they'll walk on a treadmill and watch a show. The audiobook is tempting. You want to hear what happens next. If you only listen when you walk, before you know it, you'll be a regular walker. That's temptation bundling. For those of you already exercising, keep it up. Challenge yourself to pick up your pace, or if you're doing resistance training already, try lifting heavier weights. Of course, it goes without saying that you should be cleared by your doctor if you have any problems that might make exercise unsafe. What else can you do to reverse prediabetes? You can sleep. Action item number two is sleep. So straightforward. This might be a surprise to you, but sleep, glucose, cortisol, and insulin are inextricably linked. When you don't get enough sleep, or if your sleep is interrupted, it blocks your body's ability to process sugar. By the way, I should point out that sugar is not just something we consume. We do consume it, and definitely way too much of it. But even if you don't eat added sugar, your body makes sugar through a process called gluconeogenesis. So we all have sugar in our bodies, and sleep deprivation reduces our ability to handle it. When you don't sleep enough, there's an increase in your cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Cortisol triggers the release of sugar from our body, and that starts the cascade of insulin resistance and weight gain. Sleep deprivation can also alter the levels of ghrelin and leptin, which are hormones involved in hunger and fullness cues. We're more likely to crave ultra-processed carbs like donuts, chips, sugar cereals, and candy. This becomes a vicious cycle because when we don't get enough sleep, we crave these quick high-calorie foods, 
And when we eat these Nova 4 or ultra-processed foods, studies show we don't sleep as well. Sleep deprivation followed by a morning donut and coffee with French vanilla creamer is basically a pre-diabetes cocktail. So if you're not getting it all ready, it's time to aim for seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Number three on our list of action items to reverse prediabetes is weight loss. We all know this is easier said than done, but what I want to share is a message of optimism. I've worked in the field of weight loss for many years, and if there's one thing that's clear to me, it's this. If you tell yourself you'll never lose weight, you'll feel defeated and you won't keep trying. You won't be willing to pivot when something doesn't work in order to try something new. Sometimes we have to shake loose those thoughts that make us feel powerless. Sustained weight loss is possible. However, it's often so much slower than people expect. So if I could give you one hint in this action item about losing weight, it would be to work on your belief that with gradual healthy changes, weight loss is possible for you. A great place to start is simply telling yourself that you can make healthy changes and that they will make a difference on the scale eventually. Stay patient. One of the most important lessons from the Diabetes Prevention Program study was that regular attendance and engagement with the Lifestyle Intervention Program improved weight as well as blood sugar. Those who engaged the most, who showed up for their programs, did the best with weight loss. I find that to be true in my weight loss and longevity program also. So find your program, create accountability, and show up for yourself. That's a winning combination. Actually, here's an interesting nugget from that 10-year study, the Diabetes Prevention Study. People 60 and older responded the best to lifestyle changes. In fact, they had a 72% reduction in diabetes compared to those who were not enrolled in the Intensive Lifestyle Modification Program. By the way, this wasn't a boot camp. It was an educational program with speakers explaining some of the same things we talk about in the Smart Weight Loss Coaching Podcast and in our webinar program. Okay, action item number four. Reduce your ultra-processed foods and quick carbs. It's time to relentlessly read the ingredients on every single food you buy in the grocery store. If there are things on the label that are unfamiliar, that sound like chemicals, things like maltodextrin, odds are that it's an ultra-processed food. Weeding out these toxic ultra-processed ingredients from our food is an excellent step forward for weight loss and better health. It's also not a bad idea to reduce crackers, white bread, and other starchy foods. Increasing your plants and other simple whole foods while reducing added sugars will support your goal of reversing prediabetes. Number five, here's our last action item. Start gathering data. Be a data geek. If you're not tracking your food, why not? Start planning and tracking your food so you can really see where you're succeeding and where you're hitting obstacles. This allows you to pivot and problem solve. If you're trying to get up to exercise at 5.30 a.m., but you're not a morning person, you'll probably notice that on your tracker. You keep noticing that you're missing workouts. 
simply pivot and change your schedule. Now track your exercise days and see if you show up more often. If you're snacking in the afternoon and you're not tracking, you might be mindlessly eating more than you realize. And it's probably not broccoli, right? So put pen to paper or grab a food tracking app and get to work. It's not hard to track, and it's the single most robust behavioral intervention we have when it comes to improving our nutrition. What other data might you gather? You could use a continuous glucose monitor to learn which foods spike your glucose. That's pretty cool technology. How about a heart rate monitor? There are so many options, Apple Watches, Fitbits, Garmin's, and so on. You can use these to count your steps, your miles, check your heart rate, and even prompt you to meditate or do some slow, steady breathing before you go to sleep each night. Be sure you're measuring other things like your weekly weight, your hours of sleep, and while you're at it, take a moment to write down some non-scale health-related victories every week. Remember, what we reward, we repeat. So capture the things that you're doing well and give yourself a high five. We've changed our Smart Weight Loss Coaching Webinar program to include much more emphasis on increasing our health span, meaning living healthier longer, in addition to addressing weight loss. This month, we're doing a raffle for one free membership to our 12-week Weight Loss and Longevity Webinar program. This is a serious treat for one lucky podcast listener. Someone's going to win, and because this raffle will only be available for two weeks, you have an excellent chance of being that winner. If you'd like to be part of our raffle, which is free, of course, head over to smartweightlosscoaching.com and scroll all the way to the bottom where you'll find a form. Enter your name and email and type the word raffle in the message box. That's it. In two weeks, on February 23rd, we'll draw a winner. We won't announce your full name on the podcast, but we'll share your first name and we'll contact you directly by email. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like more support during your smart weight loss journey, check out our group coaching program at smartweightlosscoaching.com. Until next time, stay well and stay smart.